0: Hello everyone, welcome to a Plainsman Abroad podcast with Ray Franklin. How are you guys doing? I'm here tonight. Our subject will be one that has been on my mind for the last few months, and it has to do with my favorite subject in school, my favorite subject in all academia, history. Now, I had a friend at Auburn. I attended Auburn University in Alabama, and uh, he was a math guy. He's a doctor now, and uh, he was a huge math, mathematical genius, just heavyweighted math. He said he hated history and he hated literature. I asked him, why? He said, because everything was opinion. Okay. Everything was opinion. Math, it's a, whether you like me or not, if the professor hates you in history, he can give you a bad grade if he doesn't like your interpretation of the events. Or the literature, the uh, professor can give you a bad mark if he doesn't like the interpretation of your literature literary what you're reading instead of you're reading. In math, if the professor hated you, but in a simple way, if 2 plus 2, in a, in a simple basic math, equals 4, it was 4. the professor marks it wrong, You go and say, hey, I got grievance. why? Basic math, 2 plus 2 equals 4. That's professor got to give you an A, get all the questions right. So it wasn't left to interpretation. And that is the, the biggest thing I want to talk about tonight, again, is interpretation, With all the things going on in the world and throughout history, uh, we look at events different. Like, for example, I call myself an amateur historian, but I don't have a degree in history. Uh, My degree is in a different subject area, but I love history. I love world history. Uh, American history is all right. Not really heavy in American history, but world history is is my thing. I love learning about other civilizations, all the great rulers, you know, Genghis Khan, Alexander the Great, uh, the Great Ancient Roman Empire, you know the, the Mad Emperors of the Julio Claudian line, you know um, Nero, Caligula, uh, Augustus, Iberius, you know. So you so you learn these things, and especially you know Western civilization, you know you know about Napoleon, Tsar Nicholas II. Uh, then you come into the age of the Dark Age of the Dark 20th century come into the age of Mussolini Stalin, Hitler and all the brutal dictators we had last century Um, and and you see and and you really have a lot to chew on, a lot of different things but again the thing I hate about history is interpretation and that is the reason that now in our society in the United States we're sort of of having a historical reckoning this has been going on probably the last 50 years uh, with more of the political left uh, you know, infiltrating academia and having their interpretation of events and the political right counterbalancing it through their portions of academia as well. But the problem is you get away from factual events, especially now in the disinformation age. For example, the recent racial unrest, um, there was a meme going around saying that the, the protesters had violated uh, the Lincoln Memorial, but they had broken into the Lincoln Memorial, went into the Lincoln Memorial, and like smashed a statue and tagged graffiti all over it and and just really desecrated Lincoln and Lincoln Memorial. Well, that photo was fake. That photo was fake because, again, um, there were people there protecting the Lincoln Memorial. If that would have happened, that would have been all over uh, the news and everything, and that didn't happen that didn't happen at all and so again that was fake information that was distributed on the internet and it was pretty easy to bump because it was fake it was clearly fake and people, well even though it didn't happen uh, it could have happened come on it was fake it didn't happen and so when it comes to historical events that's what historians we work off of what did happen were the facts For example, 1492, Christopher Columbus landed in the Bahamas. That's a fact. Christopher Columbus' discovery helped, you know, boost, you know, colonization, imperialization, and the exploration of the new world. That's a fact. You know, the conquistadors, the things they did, those are facts. Pizarro conquering the Incas, that's a fact. Those things happened those are facts Caligula being a terrible emperor that was a fact Nero being a terrible emperor that was a fact So, so you have these things that happen from these facts but then from the facts in history you have stories like you hear all these different stories about Caligula and his horse and all these different things like is this true? did he really make his horse like a council or Remember the Assembly of Rome or something? like, did he or didn't he? Catherine Legate of Russia, that wasn't true. The rumors about her, you know, that wasn't true at all. But again, people think these things are true. And the average person is isn't in the history says of her pizza, that's not reality. That's not a fact for And so people are like, oh, that's how she really died? Like, yeah. So again, history, because we don't have a lot of the intimate gaps... A lot of history is written by the victors. I think it was William F. Buckley who said that uh, history is the strong opinions of the victors. You know, and that's been you know interpreted. The history is written by the winners, written by the victors, and that is true. Again, conquered peoples are wiped out; they're not going to be writing about it. But um, in America, it it really is weird historically because you still have, like, for example, what happened during the Civil War. The North beat the South. Whether they fight, well. Again, people were like, over time, that has changed. It went from being about slavery to sectionalism to slave and sexualism, and then now it's, it's back to slavery again. And people like, no, it was a lost cause, and the myth of the lost cause, and going with the wind, and, and it was chivalry and antebellum. And I was like, that's not true. You know, if you go back and you read, uh, as a guy pointed out on uh, YouTube, uh, well, YouTube has a lot of different. People with a lot of different historical opinions. And he points out something very vivid. He said, Look, if you go back and read the original documents that were filed by the states that uh, seceded, you know, and you read the journals and doctor and notes of the Confederates themselves, whether they were poor, whether they were rich, no, they were fighting for slavery. So that was their main goal. That was one of the institutions that the South was founded on. They saw it as their institution uh, and that they wanted to protect that institution mm. and the inferiority of uh, black people. So it, it, it is what they said in their own words. So you can't dispute, hey, you know, such and such wrote this, right? Yeah, these stories you read, this is about it. Yeah, that he wrote this letter. Yeah, he wrote these books. Yeah, he wrote this journal. Yeah, and that's what he said. He didn't. So he went to war. Here's the paperwork. You know, filing secession, hey, this is why we went to war. We're preserving our way of life, and way of life continues the subjugation of black people. So that really blows interpretation away because, again, you have a well of facts that say, look, that's why they went to war. That's why they went to war. Yes, the South wanted to do things their way, and North wanted to do things their way, but the South's way was slavery was a part of the South doing things their way. So, again, history, interpretation. So you have that. You have interpretation. And then that's where everything comes from, especially in literature. I'm a Christian, as I said in my last podcast, so the Bible. Do you know what we Christians debate about in the Bible? Stuff that, like, if you don't read the Bible, you know, or you don't believe in any of it, it's not going to make, you know, you're probably like, why are they debating about something so silly as this? but Christians break into two camps in, in, in different camps that you know I have my former pastor say there were over 30,000 denominations of Christians 30,000 different groups and in those denominations there's different sects within the denomination. so there's tens of thousands of, of ways and all of us look at the Bible differently there are things that we can't even agree on the main things in Christianity and that's the thing that sort of again Christianity just makes you scratch your head because again, we can't, you know, we go back to the ancient Greek, we go back to the ancient Hebrew, we, we try to fill in, you know, some words are translated to English, some words are not, which translation is the best, which version is the best. For example, I know a lot of people love the King James Version. King James, you know, the Stuart King, came after the great, wonderful Elizabeth I Tudor, but she did not have any kids and she named him heir. So King James, who was a King of Scotland, King James VI of Scotland... King James I of England. So, he's retained himself the king of England, Scotland, and Ireland. Uh, you know about that. That was finished in around 1611. And it's been a popular Bible verse for, version for 400 years in the English language. There's a great documentary on YouTube I like. It's a very good one. Uh, it's a very neutral and very fair It's called When God Spoke English about the history of the King James Bible and how it became the Bible in the English language. And it was the, I think, number one Bible in the English language until recently and the new international version uh, overtook it. So, uh, a lot of people I know are King James only, people I'm not. I used to be when I was younger. I'm not. I, I, I love the New Living Translation. I think it has some verses that are translated that really speak to you more than the King James versions do. Uh, does, and there's a new King James I read as well. There's the NASB. I don't like the NIV. I know a lot of people don't like it either. But, you know, again, here we are, Christians debating on what version of the Bible to use. And, and, and then it goes back to interpretation. Again, we go back to the Council of the Which books should be, do belong in the Bible? What should be considered canon? What should not be considered canon? You know, why was the book of Enoch, even though it was referred to in the Bible, left out? Why were some of the other books referred to? in the Bible that are around, but they weren't included in the canon. So, there's always even debate about what that, you know, there's some people, apocrypha, there's different forms of apocryphal books, some people have the full apocrypha, some people have the reduced apocrypha, so we get very confusing if you're outside the faith, but in the faith, we all have different views, you know. So, again, all for interpretation, going back to select scriptures, but Again, as Christians, we have to agree on John 3:16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in Him should not perish but have everlasting life, life. So again, that's the one fact we come off on. We come off on the fact of that Jesus is our Savior, Son of God, and we we go from there. But then again, modern Christians, you know, what we fight about in America should women preach or not? But seriously based off of literally like two or three verses from the Apostle Paul in letters regarding at some, again, interpretation learned people will say, hey, he's talking about specific situations other people, it's like he's talking about women in total, in general, and you have a head buddy serious head buddy, denominations people quitting, people accusing other people of blaspheming and serving the devil it's completely insane it's completely insane I gotta tell you, as I talked you, uh, spoke to you guys about blacking American Christian, American Christian is nuts. It is nuts. I mean, I, it, God is definitely, and I believe in God, you know, being a Christian, it's merciful because we are nuts. You know, people have some weird views about God. They do because of us. We don't know what the heck we're talking about most of the time because we're too busy trying to defend ego, trying to defend viewpoints, trying to defend interpretations. If we just went. Purely just simply by the New Testament doctrine simply by the doctrine of the New Testament that we're under the doctrine of Jesus Christ if you just go by what we consider eyewitness gospel, Matthew and John and if we said okay Romans is the Christian you know the constitution of Christianity and Romans if you just took those three books and just lived according to the gospel of John the gospel of Matthew and the book of Romans Christianity would be pretty cool the problem is don't do that. People want to power. People want ego. People want to fight over interpretation. People want to throw weight here. They want to throw weight there. They want to always make themselves seem righteous. And human beings mess things up. And that's why the problem with interpretation is. Interpretations mess up because humans are messed up. Because when I look at Alexander the Great, I think he's a great conqueror. And then somebody looks at him and says, well, he's stunk. He wasn't a great conqueror. He died too young you know, okay. Nah. We all agree with him He died. I think 323 BC is the year we say. But uh, BC uh, that he died. And people still to this day are like, what's his significance? Is he overrated? Is he underrated? And so people fight again, history, history nerds, people with multiple degrees, smarter than me fight about his impact. But we can't, we can't, we can't, but we can't dispute the facts. Came from Macedonia, he conquered a lot of land, his empire stretched in there. There's a lot of good stuff. Genghis Khan, the same way. Genghis Khan, I heard one of James Genghis Khan didn't exist. That he was a myth, that it was really just a, again, a bunch of uh, different, you know, Mongol leaders that sort of came together and they sort of created the myth of Jenkins' God. But again, history does weird stuff like that. Same thing about Ragnar. If you're a Vikings fan, Vikings on History Channel, Ragnar, people can't debate if Ragnar Motherbrook existed or not. There's a legend in France France or a story in France where a writing where they say the city of Paris got sacked, just like on the show, by a Viking and his name translated equals Ragnar but it's good people don't know if Ragnar existed but they know that his sons existed because there's a lot of evidence for Born Ironside existed mm-hmm. and of course Ivar the Boneless a lot of people think that these were Viking leaders who weren't related but they claimed the mythical Ragnar as their father so mm-hmm. it was like if you're a Greek you're, you're a Roman emperor and you said "Jove was your father you know, my father is Jove. You know, who bless you, Joe. so it, it's sorta of like that. So a lot of people don't they debate that whether he lived or not. So they, there's a debate about Right now Low. And then, you know, there like I said, back to Jenkins Khan, Great Conqueror, Great Lands, a lot of people get his grandson. Kubla Khan, they thought he was a better I thought Kubla Khan was better than Gangson, in my opinion. But Kubla Khan, uh you know how he incorporated a lot of the Chinese things into the Mongol Empire uh, how he had a lot of issues, whatever so you, you have those debates about greatness and about impact but you can't just deny Kublai Khan existed you can't deny I think now people are pretty much pretty much solid about like Genghis Khan existed uh, but again, interpretation what was Genghis' legacy lasting legacy people still debate that does he have a legacy other than mm-hmm. uh, his uh, massive amount of offspring that he has uh, or does he you know have a legacy of you know any type of power in the day? he's a natural hero of Mongolia but Mongolia's a small powerless country surrounded by two much more powerful countries in Russia and China both of them today are much more powerful than Mongolia they ever could be and uh, so there's a lesson about that uh, there's Stalin there is, there's Hitler. Hitler probably with history because he was so recent. And what's the biggest thing about Hitler? Is he dead? Did he kill himself in that bunker? Did he escape? The DNA on that jaw they have is it really his DNA? People don't believe the results. The testing they did recently they said if it's his jawbone which means he is dead because he you use the jawbone, they gotta they cut your head open. So a lot of people still are debating whether Hitler you know was killed, but you know probably you know the, the facts and the evidence he killed himself in the wolf lair you know and, and that's it and the wolf's dead excuse me. he killed himself and that's it he, he's dead he killed himself in a bunker uh, that's it and, and that's that. and uh, he wasn't gonna left that the Russian sketchup he wasn't so. that's another event where we talk about factual history interpretation when we talk about World War II we look at ourselves as being the hero and uh, you know, delivering France and working with the Brits and defeating the Japanese. You never think about all the stuff the Soviets did. They did tens of millions of people they lost. Their estimate is either 24, to 27 million people that they lost in fighting uh, the Nazis. You know, a lot of that was due to Stalin's incompetence and their uh, really lack of poor preparation uh, to deal with the, the Nazi Germany. So their casualty rate was extremely high. And they, you know, Stalingrad and, and, and a lot of other battles, they won, they really did pay a high price. They paid a high price because Stalin was a crappy leader. Stalin was a genius in the way he obtained power, but he was a terrible leader in the way he massacred so much of his population. Imagine how many Russian people there would be today if Stalin wasn't such a butcher. And even during World War II, when he needed everybody he could to go out and fight the Germans, he still was killing people within his own country. He still was sending people to gulags. He still was ordering people executed. The man just was a bloodlusted lunatic. And I would not consider him a great ruler at all. I would consider him a total failure because once he died, his nation, once they realized that, okay, he really is dead because they were so terrified of him, they were like, woo, we're glad he's gone. They did desolonization. It was a terrible ruler. Terrible ruler. Terrible ruler. Terrible ruler. I always wonder, I think the story that we debate, you know, debate in history, Would it have been better if Trotsky had taken over the Soviet Union as Lenin wanted and not that monster Stalin? And who knows? Who knows? Lenin was a monster himself. He was a monster himself. He, he, he was a terrible monster. He betrayed the revolution. He talked about revolution and rights and freedom and restoration. And then he just became a brutal dictator himself. So... And he, he laid the path for a monster like Stalin. I mean, so again, again, but see, somebody may come along. Oh, Lenin was a G- again interpretation. All we know about Lenin, he died in the 1920s. So so again, the facts are are, are are there. Lenin's dead. Stalin took over. Stalin was a brutal monster. You know, it's the same thing. So you have that. You have you have that. So one of the things in modern history you look at is we talk about interpretation. Is the Vietnam War. That's an interpretation of an event that has changed over my life. That, if you ask me, one of the things that have changed over my life is the way Vietnam vets were like, when I was a kid, no one talked about the Vietnam War. I was born the year it in ended, so uh, in the mid-70s, so it, it, it was, like, like America didn't talk about it until like the early 80s, like, hey, we need to welcome home, we need to have parades and welcome home Vietnam vets, and it was sort of like, we need to start appreciating these guys who went to the war. You know, I'm a Gen Xer, so a lot of parents, my my classmates' parents and stuff, served in Vietnam. And so it it is, Vietnam is sort of that place where no one ever talked about it. No one ever talked about it. Then Platoon came out in the mid-80s, Platoon, Full Metal Jacket. They really, both those films got people talking about Vietnam. But even until recently, really, I think uh, the great work done recently by PBS and the Kim Burns, the documentary, the Vietnam War. Kim Burns did out. So I own that documentary. They don't own many. And, and that is a fabulous documentary. They did such a great job with the music and the scenes and the stories. It really... I've seen other Vietnam War documentaries, and they do a decent job and, and a good job. But they can't touch that one. They won Kim Burns and his company. They, they blew it away. They really went through stuff in the war I'd never heard of, different aspects, and a lot of that's focused on Lyndon Johnson, because he really was the one that really cared about a lot of stuff of Vietnam and Nixon, but LBJ is the one that, you know, Operation um, Rolling Thunder got everything rolling, and just, Rolling Thunder got it rolling, <laughs> but uh, everything else, you no know, went went crazy after that, but Johnson's one of those people that I didn't like because I'm a Republican, but when I read Randall Wood's uh, biography of him, uh, The Architect of American Ambition, I, I really respected LBJ. And I just, I even rewatched the uh, Vietnam doctor, uh, documentary series by Ken Burns and had a different respect for Johnson than I didn't have before. How he was able to get so much done, how many things that he enacted benefited me growing up and benefit me now. And and how much of if he just would not have just made different decisions in Vietnam, if he just would have made different decisions at the beginning, how his legacy would not be what it was today. It would not be what he he would be considered way higher up as a president if it wasn't for Vietnam. Because the things he said about race in America were right. As frustrated as he was with the racial problems in America, uh, He talked about it and realized that when he was growing up and getting his political weight growing, that he felt that if they did anything for black people, Civil Rights Act, different types of things, if they didn't do it soon enough, it may have been too late. I think the frustrating part was after the Civil Rights Act, after the Voting Rights Act, and then you had the three years of 65 to 68, four straight summers of terrible race riots. Uh, That's what really, I think, burned him out to say, look, it, I was too late. We did do the Civil Rights Voting Rights Act. Yes, we're glad that we did it, but we did it decades too late. The gaps, the problems that these people are rioting and upset about, still persisted and wouldn't be here if we had done these things. Even if we had done them in the 1920s, if you had done them in the 1920s, imagine if you know if you had under Herbert Hoover, John things and, 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 and how different the nation would be instead of doing the 40 years like when everything was so entrenched it was just really too late so it really it really goes to show it's very hard to be a president to be a successful politician like LBJ was and to really get a lot of different things done and it really showed me a lot so again that's when my interpretation changed the facts still won't change the facts are LBJ Lied to the American public about our involvement in Vietnam. That lie was exposed, of course, with the most famous incident in Vietnam, which is the most famous year in American and modern American history, 1968. And with the end of that month, the Tet Offensive in January of 1968, excuse me, the Tet Offensive. So, again, from Tet on, people knew hey, LBJ, no, he's not telling us the truth about what's going on here. We're a long way from winning this. We almost, we got the, you know, we've been, you know, that late, you know, Tet, Mini Tet, which was in May, and just really just the, the, the amount of dead people. People realize, hey, the president isn't telling us the truth. We got too many body bags coming back. We're seeing too many things on television. The president isn't telling us the truth. we need to get out. Nixon tried to do something, but Nixon eventually got out in uh, January of 73, and uh, that's when. uh same month uh, LBJ died, so uh, again, facts don't change, facts don't change, and we can interpret LBJ and debate LBJ all day, remember Dennis Johnson all day long, but you uh, can't debate one thing, he messed up in Vietnam, and, and that is, and that is, you know, a fact no matter what your interpretation is, when it's that overwhelming, you can't deny it, some people still do. I heard people in say we won Vietnam, I heard people say we lost them. I mean, that's for them to, to figure out. I just know that at the end of the day, uh, as they said there, that great documentary by Ken Burns, the dead are still dead. The wounded, are, who are alive are still wounded. And the land of Vietnam still has a lot of different weapons and mines and explosives and Agent Orange defoliation and, and other chemicals. There's a lot of still wrong with the country the country still scarred from you know uh, 30 years of civil war so so that's so that's that so that's what I want to talk about again when it comes down to it we have to look at the facts we have to look at the facts and we can all day be you know agree on the facts but interpretation that's where we're always going to go nuts so my, my positive thing I like to be positive at the end of these is this Weigh your interpretations. Weigh. Take it out and how you look at life, how you look at events, how you look at facts, and weigh them. Am I seeing this clearly or not? Because at the end of the day, none of us are going to see everything clearly. Even preachers who get along with other preachers, even preachers who are disciples of other preachers, I can tell you, they uh, don't agree on everything. You know, at the end of the day, right now, there's over 7 billion people. They, uh, they say on this planet. That means there's 7 billion interpretations. I read a mental floss. I said mental floss, uh, The magazine said there's approximately in the total history of mankind, 114 billion people. That means there's 114 billion interpretations. Fun fact. That's the way it goes. All I say is weigh your interpretation. Weigh it. I might seem this clearly. And that's why you have so many self-help books and different books and different philosophies and all that. Just wait. But it comes down to this. Your, Is your interpretation lining up with the facts or not? it, Because a lot of times, I, I have people in my life who just couldn't get it. Blue opportunities. Ruined their lives. Ruined everyone that tried to help them. And they still did this. They blame everybody else but themselves. Why? Interpretation. I think a lot of our problems as human beings on this planet with. different fix, if we can just yes, fix our interpretation. As Paul David Tripp said, you're always preaching some sort of gospel to yourself. Either consciously or unconsciously. And that's always based on what my opinion is interpretation. Well, how are we interpreting? How are we interpreting? Thank you for spending time with me this week. Thank you for this podcast. More is to come, thank you for hanging out with the Plansman Abroad.